Hello, 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 and who, 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 my Christmas fact friends and fiends. Welcome back to the holiday Christmas crimes that you have been waiting a full calendar year for. And yes, I have brought you another Christmas crime. Here with me today is, yet again, fan favorite, Nate Ruger. Hello, hello, hello. Season's greetings. Season's eatings. <laughs> I guess. If it, if, if it is spooky, I don't know. No, we're not doing a spooky oh, one. Oh, okay. We're doing a real one. A, <laughs> a real one. Goodness. I know. Well, I feel like many people would call this spooky, but, you know, my actual threshold of spooky and scary is ridiculous. <laughs> we can describe this by the viewing of the film It from 2017. Nate came over and watched It with me. and Watched what? That one film. And my favorite part, where I laughed hysterically... While Nate is currently trying to climb under my couch. Yeah. Because he was terrified. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) Whoa. We have two different forms of scary here in this house. Oh, my God. (laughs) And so... I I definitely spook easily, and and you're definitely more of the, like, interesting choice of camp here. I'm like, that wasn't campy. That was terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's hard to scare this... This deep black heart of mine, apparently, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, because when I am scared, I think we know shit just got real. Yep. Yep. Um, but however, shit's going to get real today oh, in our first Christmas crime. Dun, dun, dun. So I will say, yeah, we're rolling straight into this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two Let's minutes in and we're starting. Um, I did actually mention this one in, I think, The Twelve Crimes of Christmas. Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah, last semester. Listen to this one, then listen to that one. Get you in the, yeah, the, that the was holiday just, spirit. That one was like, you know, hey, 12 random crimes that happened at Christmas. I think I did. I don't remember exactly which 12 I picked. Um, I know I picked a Walmart one. Mm. That's the only thing I'm certain about. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a long year. and For all of us. <laughs> also, if you hear sporadic harumps, <sighs> yes, <sighs> our uh, mascot, Amy the dog, is here. She will be posted on the Instagram as a support mascot for anyone who is feeling the holiday blues. Thank you for the users who have emailed me asking how everything is going. It is now going great, and I appreciate you so much for contacting me and asking me how I'm doing. Uh, mental health is always important, but so is physical health. So always put those things first, and I am glad to be back with you. And this Nate, or as I called him once on set, Nader Tater, and I have not called him since until this moment. No one else has called me Nader Tater, and it has been right there in my name the whole time. The whole time? I, yeah. Uh, and I haven't called you that since we left set. I don't know what that's about. I don't know what to do with that information. I don't uh, either. I'm actually kind of upset I haven't used it more. But I am grateful for everything you've done, dear fans, uh, and, and happy you're back with us. Well, we're back with them. Yes. They go nowhere. 
<laughs> they just stay beautiful. So anyway, let's talk about the sources for this story. I Ooh. got this delicious article from the LA Times, which I'm going to start out with because oh, it has delicious prose in it. Ooh. Um, I have one from the Washington Times. All of these are coming out of 2008, my friends. Oh, all the way back then. Yeah, that's a long time ago, which when I was first reading this, I was like, oh, that's not so... Oh, yikes. Um, I have one from nydailynews.com. I've got one from uh, the New York Times. That one's a really good one. Don't worry, we will be posting these, um, in the show notes, hopefully soon, not immediately, because I am trash and I'm not really good at doing that. Um, I know, I don't understand how to do show notes all fancy. Uh, got one from the Huffington Post, also from 2008. And then, of course, Wikipedia and, uh, Murderpedia for compiling all of these really, really cool articles, um, that helped me get a better scope on not only the crime itself, but the fallout and all of the details. So much... these, these are all reputable, verifiable, <clears throat> reported sources. This is not yeah. green text on Reddit. This is like actual legitimate. Hey, sometimes green text on Reddit is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, but still. Point. But yes. Yes, no. V- reputable sources. Also support murderpedia but also wikipedia is doing its drive oh yeah so if you've got the dollars understand it if you don't who's got dollars these days we sure don't um (laughs) we're keeping this boat together with duct tapes and dreams (laughs) um give a couple bucks to wikipedia for saving all of our lives i definitely owe it my firstborn (laughs) so you ready for the i'm ready i'm stoked because we're going downhill real fast oh goodness okay I'm going to give you this beautiful article from the LA Times. I wish I had the author because I need to read you the first few sentences. And by few, I mean like 10. Wow. All right. In the dining room of their Covina home, Joseph Papa Joe Ortega, his wife of 53 years, Alicia, and their children had been playing a late night game of Texas Hold'em after Christmas Eve dinner. Their grandchildren played video games and hung out near the backyard pool. In parenthesis here, guys. We are in Southern California. Yes, you can hang out by the pool on Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so on the second floor, the Ortega's 17-year-old grandson pecked away at a computer. Seconds later, there was a knock at the front door. And the squeal of an 8-year-old girl... Happily crying, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. Seconds later, the girl was shot in the face. What? By a man dressed as Santa Claus. And Jiminy. Mm. Oh, yeah. I told you. Immediate elevator down. This is worse than that ride at Disney. Yep. And two of her uncles also fell to the ground, wounded. The Ortegas... Three of their daughters, including the gunman's ex-wife, dove under the dining room table for cover, but it was no use. The Ortegas, four of their children, two daughters-in-law, and the teenager at the computer would all die at the hands of Bruce Jeffrey Pardo. Goodness. So, this account was gleaned from the relatives in the U.S. and Mexico who were in contact with the loved ones who survived this Christmas Eve rampage. <sighs> oh, yes. 
So let's get into it. You you mentioned the. Did I catch a snippet that the gunman dressed as Santa? Yes. Uh, may have been related to some of the victims. Yes. Okay. All right. That that may have something to do with motive or or whatever, but it's it might. It's, it's still like mm-hmm. insidious to show up on Christmas Eve as Santa to a kid. As Santa. No, it, it, that's like ah oh, god. Yeah. So Bruce and Sylvia Pardo. Bruce Pardo was the gunman that I had initially identified. Started the new year of two thousand six <sighs> with all the signs of like. The best year, right? They were about to get married. They were about to be making 150k a year, which Whoa. in 2006 dollars is like millions. It's not, but it feels like it because back in 2006, that's before the 2008 financial crash. Yup. I mean, there was hopes and dreams left. Like, yeah, that's post 9/11, but at the same time, there was still hope. Um. They also bought a half a million dollar home on a very quiet cul-de-sac in Covina, California. Or I'm sorry, I apologize. Montrose, California. Covina is where um, Joseph and Alicia Ortega lived. Uh, Things quickly turned sour. Divorce documents paint a very bitter picture of Bruce Pardo's life. With his wife. Uh Okay. So. Sorry, lots of pages. Lots, lots of pages. I, you've mentioned this to me, I, I both on and off air that there, there seems to be a recurring pattern in in familicides of massacres of family that like, it's usually a man who feels like it's it's it sucks how much it's the same that like same story it's it's usually a man who feels like because he's lost some he hasn't made a lot of enough money in a certain year that he has lost some dignity as the breadwinner and as the head of the household and so the whole family has to go with them kind of this isn't really the same as that situation but yeah a lot of um men who commit familicide which would be the killing of his entire family. Um, and then often himself. Yeah, because the hell are you going to do after that? Well, sometimes start a new family. That's worse. That's, yeah. That's worse. Oh, trust. Yeah, that's like the worst one. Um, it's often after loss of job, divorce... All of these, like, really, you know, kind of have a heavy-hitting, um, like, life blows, if you will. Yeah. But at the same time, going off the deep end like that, and that is really, like, taking a swan, like, a swan dive off the deep end. Yeah. Um, it is, I would say, a societal condition of the expectation of what life should be like at that point. Yeah. Because... I would say for a woman, many women have to just pick it up. Like when they get left by a husband and lose their job and they've got kids, they got to pick it up and keep moving because they have the kids. Um, And you don't hear a lot of 
familicide from no. a female's perspective, no. though it's not uncommon. Yeah. I would, well, uncommon, unheard of. <laughs> well, uncommon indeed, but though it's not unheard of, it's staggering that the steps to, um, are similar. Like, yeah, yeah. The first story, of course, that comes to mind is William Bradford Bishop, who was on the FBI's most wanted list for the longest amount of time. They never found him. Of course, everyone's seen him mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time. Similar, but very different circumstances. So here's a speculation for you. Um, so Pardo's wife of one year, they settled for divorce the week before Christmas. Oh. Pardo had no criminal record, no history of violence. However, he had been fired from his job as an electrical engineer at ITT Electronic Systems and Radar Systems in July. So that's months before. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some people would speculate that the divorce between him and Sylvia may have been caused by Pardo concealing the fact that he did have a child from a previous relationship. It wasn't a marriage. It was just a previous relationship. There's a lot going on here. Oh, yeah, we have so much. Uh, Now, this child had been severely injured in a swimming pool accident several years prior while in the care of Pardo. He's not seeming like a great all-around guy for me that... that Having a, a secret kid that he's not taking care of very well and possibly not being the most romantic, kindest husband and... Well, he didn't support that keep... child. Oh, goodness. Or pay any support to his ex-wife and her children. So he married Sylvia knowing that he had... She had three children. He had, She had a five-year-old daughter for sure, but... And also two other children. <clears throat> and apparently he got along with that five-year-old daughter. I don't know about the other two children. That's not documented in any of my sources. Um, But they do get married in January 2006. Very fast grew apart. And he had refused to open a joint account with her. And he expected her to take care of her own kids with her own finances. And so... That, that's a huge red flag right there. That's one of those that you should probably talk about before you, yeah, before do you the mean. vows. Yeah. I do wonder like if that was something they did talk about and he was like, JK, LOL. Okay. As soon as it, as soon as you sign, just like, you know what? On second thought, no, I have some ideas and we're not going to do that. Um, and she made, I think like 30,000, which is nothing to write home about. Um, and that's barely not, enough to get by in that's not LA for yeah. four. Okay, think about it. That's ten thousand dollars for one person, but for f- yourself and four kids, that's yeah. like that's no thirty thousand alone is below the poverty line. Yeah, yeah, especially in California. Yeah. Like they're in Covina. I'm sorry, Montrose. They're in Montrose, but still below the poverty line. Like yeah, we know what that is. I think right now the poverty line for one person is seventy. <laughs> At least here in LA, it is. Goodness gracious. Because you can't afford anything. No, no. Yeah. Okay, so in, in June of 08, so the, in June is when divorce court orders Pardo to pay 1785 a month in spousal support. 
And during the proceedings, Pardo had confided to a friend that his wife was, quote, taking him to the cleaners. So he went from financially supporting his wife and adoptive children zero dollars a month to actually giving them any money that to me that sounds like a a a rent check in los angeles today yeah and that's to the cleaners apparently apparently but here's the deal in july he got fired for billing false hours and the court suspended the support payments due to job hardship However, he, he was fired for basically like embezzling. clocking embezzle, embezzlement. Goodness. Yeah. But here's the interesting part. So he does get suspended support payment, right? Because yeah. he was fired and they contested his um, unemployment. So he was literally making zero dollars and he was trying to find more work. So he was. Requir- He's not making a lot of smart choices about family or work or. Ah. I mean, all we can say is. We're only getting one part of the story. 100%. As soon as that came out of my mouth, I'm just like, I feel no, like... No, I mean, you're right. Like, why are you trying to embezzle here, buddy? Like, you you could have sorted things out with her, and it seems like you didn't want to, but... But th- this is judgment after the fact that is coming out of my mouth of... His some... horrific act. No, you're okay, fine. Horrific act, but also, like, someone who's living below poverty and saying, like, you should have been doing this to save more money. I well, he sounds... wasn't. Avocado toasty, and I didn't want to. Not really. But, yeah. He was making one twenty. Okay. Alone. He's, he's making one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year yeah. alone, and not okay. Yeah. Now, 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 I, I, I take back. I'm what just I saying said. we are. I wanted to keep in mind that we are only getting one part of the story, and it's what's on paper. Yeah. Not yeah. like does he have student debt? You know. Yeah. He is forty five at the time. I should mention. Um. In two thousand eight, the ev- actual event happened in '08. This is '06. Got it. Um, when they get married. June of 08 is the uh, divorce court situation. Uh, so he's required to pay her $10,000 as part of the divorce settlement, which is getting mm. off cheap. Yep. In California, when you're supposed to get half? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sylvia gets to keep the wedding ring and the family dog. Okay. Yeah, that that's that's getting off with like the bare minimum. Yeah, and I find it very intriguing because I was like, oh no, was this a John Wick situation? And I don't think so. Oh, oh, that. I do feel like she deserved the dog. Yeah. She yeah. has the kids. Yeah, the, the, it'll keep the kids happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so apparently, Pardo complained that Sylvia was living with her parents, not paying rent, and spent lavishly, quote, on luxury car, gambling trips to Las Vegas, meals at fine restaurants massages and golf lessons i'm sorry she's doing something nice for herself yeah calm the fuck down one and you don't even know who's paying for it you little shit yeah if her mom wants to take her for lunch at a nice restaurant you can eat gravel it's also how do you know her dad's not taking her to golf lessons to just like try to uh, help to to me like what was that again? It was golf lessons, nice restaurants. Nice car. Nice car. The, between those three, that's $10,000 gone immediately. Yeah, there's no way she's continuously doing this. No, no. That, that, that's like, oh, I... I fu- that, it, it's like a black... Someone who is, like, barely making enough money and then finally being able to afford a TV when it's 50% off on Black Friday or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and you're that's like... That's not... It's like, oh, oh, I finally have 
money to actually buy the things I've been needing. All of this looks like friends and, taking care of her. Yes. Yeah. And by luxury and, car, uh, what'd she do? Get a sedan? Get, get a Honda Civic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it makes me mad because I, it's like, oh, a person who isn't wealthy gets a cookie. You're going to get mad about it? No. Also, what? if you had been making $120,000, like up until July of that year, yeah, you're making 120k a year, July, that, that should, if, uh, that should give you a little bit of a nest egg, unless you're a spendthrift to what? keep you through the rest of the year and to then say to just doing a little bit of math to, to carve out 10,000 out of 120,000 yeah. a year and to say that I am now bankrupt and she is just gallivanting around town. Yeah, no, is, he's is completely ridiculous. trying to shame her as a woman who's a mother of four, or three. Yeah. Who didn't want to be a mother of four. Um, cause he's definitely acting like one big baby. Yep. Um, I had information about his son um, mm. that I found super intriguing. Let me grab that. Here we are. Okay, so Pardo at the time, so this is 2008, had a nine-year-old son, Matthew, by a former girlfriend, Elena. Uh, he had not seen the child for years but apparently was claiming him as a dependent for tax purposes. Yeesh. Um, Elena told LA Times that she didn't know Pardo was doing that. And the boy had been left with severe brain damage um, as a toddler because he fell into a backyard swimming pool in 2001 while Pardo was alone with him in their former house in Woodland Hills, according to the attorney Jeffrey Al... Uh, Alvarez. I hate it. Who represented Elena in the resulting court case. So medical costs reached $340,000. So of course she sued Pardo to yeah. get the money from his $100,000 home insurance policy. That's what you do when those things happen. Yeah, yeah. And about $36,000 was put into a trust fund for him who requires constant care. Of course. Pardo never contributed any more money to the boy's care. He that's, never spent a dime on his son. That's a father's love. Son. And the lawyer said he would not be surprised if Pardo kept that part of, of his life a secret from um, his wife, Sylvia. I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a tangent here. Do, we, do you slash we, as people who may look these things up, have more information into what that accident was? No, I didn't look any further. This is the only thing I could find. I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm whether it's grasping at straws or making connections that that don't exist. That like mm -hmm. the first incident in the horrible massacre is the murder of a child, and I'm part of me is wondering like, was it an accident? I didn't say that child died. Oh, but like getting shot. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. No. Don't worry. Um, but, however, he was not charged with anything. So, I don't know if his immediate was to assist the child. Like, maybe the child fell in and something happened. Like, I, or I am, slipped, hit his head, and fell in. Like, we I don't am, know what happened. I am inviting your listeners to wonder if this was just the beginning for this person of... 
hurt, hurting uh, yeah. kids and family members. I just find it so interesting that he didn't do shit for the kid. Yeah. But seemingly cared about the kid before, you know? So back to Sylvia, uh, she didn't bring much money to the marriage. She had the 31k a year job at a flower breeding company. Um, and then she had the five-year-old from a previous relationship and she had almost all the furniture. I find that very intriguing, but also, yeah, she did because she knows what she wants. Yeah. And then she had two additional children from a previous marriage. And then he was making 122 k as the electrical engineer. He had also built a nest egg of $88,500. Oh, wait, no. Together, as a couple, they built a nest egg of $88,500. Yeah, so by December of 2007, Sylvia was sleeping in another room, spending weekends with her parents, and then she finally was like, oh, I'm divorced. Right? Yeah. So when she filed that divorce, she asked for attorney's fees, and she asked for $3,166 in monthly spousal support, which I think, no, that was twice as much as what she got, which I assume was the tactic to get what she did get. Um, and that's very fairly common for California law, that yeah. uh, if you lose the case, you pay the other side's uh, attorney fees. Yeah. Uh, and then she claimed that 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 Bruce Pardo had drawn their eighty eight thousand five hundred savings to seventeen thousand in two months and was transferring them to private accounts. Sus, uh, I call sus. Indeed. So after he lost his ITT job, right as electrical engineering, he was soon drowning in debt. <laughs> like I don't know how that I could live a long time on eighty eight thousand dollars. I'm going to throw that down. Um, I could probably make it two years on that. You budget right. It, 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 I I trust you to budget right. Uh, that 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 I there's a reason I'm on a true crime podcast, not a money uh, spending <laughs> wisely podcast. G um, and I can make it with eighty eight thousand and the incredible like place that we have. True, true. Yeah, my yeah. housemate and I are very thrifty. But to the point of this person to have taken quick back of the napkin math like what is that like about seventy thousand and that you've taken out and then you're now drowning in debt like how quick sounds really bad investments no not even investments or gambling yeah or Or alcohol like yeah there's there's some big problems going on you can drink at home and save a lot of money Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Like, buy, I don't know, a handle instead of going to the bar. I know drinking alone is terrible, but it's also thrifty. <laughs> and you heard it here first, folks. Invite a friend over. You had one to complain to. Yep. Get shit-faced. There you go. Watch Bar Rescue. It's like you're at the bar, but with John Taffer yelling at you to get your life together. And, and you get to look at these bars that are terrible and go... I'm glad we didn't go out tonight. That looks awful. So much, though. Because, like, right before we started recording, we watched an episode of Bar Rescue. Shock. And honestly, I don't know how many people have gotten addicted to the show, but I really need John Taffer to come in and yell at me to get my life together. I think it would be therapeutic. (laughs) Because when he's nice to people, I cry. 
It's beautiful. And I love that he yells at managers who mismanage because it's honestly cathartic. It is. It is. As someone who has been managed by some of the worst people ever, it feels so nice to finally get to hear someone say what you've wanted to say. Okay, back to my story. (laughs) Okay. Here's a quote that um, basically went to the judge about... Oh, yeah, he didn't get a severance package from the last employer when he started billing hours that were fake. And I'm like, yeah, of course not. Yeah. (laughs) You should be glad you're not going to jail. Um, Yeah. So, two days before his massacre, he told the attorneys he was still trying to come up with the money to pay his ex-wife. And... um, so wait, he at this point he has two ex-wives? No, just one. Just the one. Okay. Sorry. Um it was a relationship that oh, produced okay. the All same. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So let's get into what happened. I gave you a very brief description. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about what happened. So a neighbor of We're back in Covina, it's December twenty fifth, two thousand eight. We've talked about all of what led up to it, the marital problems, the money. You've got Bruce, Pardo, Nutter Butter, and a Santa suit. He has a big old package in his hand, and it's got basically what comes out to be a makeshift flamethrower. Are you kidding me? And homemade napalm and four handguns. In this box that looks like a present. And he is dressed up to be basically a child's entertainer. And he knocks on the door at approximately 11.30 p.m. PST. Our standard time. Yeah. So Jan Gregory, who was a neighbor, said about 25 to 30 people were at this party um, at um, the Ortega's house. The Ortegas are the parents of Sylvia Pardo. Ah. They heard the gunshots ring out and saw people running by their house. So she said she saw a teenage boy running from the house screaming, they shot my family. Uh, Police received several 911 calls with reports of shots fired at 11.30 p.m. Because remember... When um, the door was open, that was an immediate shot. I was going to, it occurred to me that, like, I do not encourage criminal activity or massacres of any kind. What about the Boston Massacre? Wait, that, that wasn't really a massacre. That was just throwing tea into the ocean. Wait, no, which? And they didn't provide any milk. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Not enough sugar. Yeah, yeah. They didn't even ask the ocean how they took it. (laughs) How many lumps? Um, So, uh, but Christmas Eve is a night that is, whether, whether you celebrate or not, it is a night that usually the family stays up late. Mm-hmm. Um, or if the kids are put to sleep, because, like, go, go to sleep, otherwise Santa will hear you, whatever. Uh, adults. The adults are, like, staying up late rapping, or, like, is it, is it done? Is it just, just shut up, just keep taping. Yeah. Uh, so if you're going to do loud criminal things, Christmas Eve's not your night. 
It's not your night, but it no. was the night he knew the whole family would be together. Yeah. And um, I'm just I'm glad that like several neighbors went like, "Yep, uh, call nine one one. That's that's not a Christmas firework. I don't know what that is." Uh, I don't know if we would notice that this like now because fireworks happen all the time. Like it's one of our favorite games of was that a gunshot or a firework? No one or, has a clue. Or a car backfiring. Or you something. know how often do cars actually backfire anymore? Not not so much. Maybe not a backfire, but definitely like I don't know. Uh, I I wonder if it's just like car with a really bad muffler or something um i hate to tell you this but i don't think cars do that anymore not in the way that we think they do i think we're just lying to ourselves it's very possible it's very safe here in la totally safe we're actually not on the top 10 most dangerous cities really i know huh you know who is who memphis Memphis? Have you been there? I have not been to Memphis. I would not. We're going to talk about that another day. Okay. okay. That one kind of blew my noodle. But like, just just my own interest in like, you know, these kinds of stories. Uh, California, like 70s to late 2000s was just like serial killer. Not late 2000s. I would say, I would. 90s, my... 70s, 90s. Yeah, I was like, I would say early 2000s. Yeah. Um, well, maybe in Northern California. Yeah. I think it's because the state is so large. It's enormous, yeah, yeah. And I would say, before we get into this attack, a lot of people like to think America has a ton more serial killers than any other country. And that's a bold-faced lie. Because, look up any country, look up their serial killers, we just eat it up for entertainment, apparently, or like we are, we're just giving you the cold hard facts. Mm-hmm. If you find this entertaining, as we are, I can't help you with that. I know that we're trash cans. Um, hey, speak for yourself. I am the raccoon who prefers to go in the dumpster. I'm a trash can. Because oh. <laughs> I can do things. <laughs> Raccoons can go into trash cans. And there are trash cannots. One of those. Um, <laughs> Shut up. But um, no, it, it does bother me that they kind of write off all of the international serial killers because they aren't popularized through the media or like people don't see them. Like we tell everybody, hey, there's a serial killer out there and you should not do these things so you yeah. don't get bundied. Yeah, yeah. And, you know? and whereas other countries kind of try and sweep it under the rug. Yes. We're like, oh, we, we, we don't have those here. Those, those those were all foreigners. Those were probably Americans. Like, yeah. a friend of mine was like, I have never heard of a Russian serial killer. Like, I whipped out my phone so fast. There, there are some nasty, like, serial killer stories from Russia just in the past, like, 10, 15 years. And there's kind of, it's like in America, there's kind of an explanation for the uptick. Yeah. However, okay, moving on. That's another episode. 100%. If anyone wants that episode, you know how to do it. Email us, tweet us if you want to reach us. Yes, please. Um, so we're going to go to this attack. Sorry for the uh, quick detour. So, I lost my place. Nope, we're here. Okay. So, shocked friends of Pardo's said nothing indicated that he was on the verge of a murderous rampage. 
as most friends do. They're like, I had no idea. I think my favorite was one neighbor was like, oh, my God, he said Merry Christmas to me. And I'm like, what a sadist. Like, how dare he wish you happy holidays? For for the sake of, I'm not going to name this podcast for this because it involves real life human beings. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm starting to realize like that. Th- this is my own personal take. There's so many things like, well, he seemed like such a nice guy. Look at who is saying that because like almost like I am stating the obvious to many of your listeners who are like, oh my god, Nate, shut up. Uh, that a lot of women listen to true crime podcasts to almost like pick up tips and of like, oh, this is how you make sure you're not bundied. And yep. look at learn these kinds of things. And very often you will hear some guy when he's got a camera or a microphone in his face go, I never would have imagined that the, just a, a lovely girl would get murdered in such a nice place as this. And just every other woman's just like, what the the fuck have you been? Where have you been? This happens all the time everywhere. I and, literally. And so the friends, I'm wondering if it's like the friends are just a bunch of like white other dudes who are also just not talking about their feelings. It reminds me of when the quote remake end quote of Black Christmas came out and they were like, women don't really carry their car keys in their fingers. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Ever been to a dark parking lot? I'm on guard at all times. I am ready to kill somebody. I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm going to cause you bodily harm if you sneak up on me. And that's on you. Because in in what universe is it okay to sneak up on a woman walking in a parking lot in 2021? It's not. It's not. It's not. You're getting an elbow to the nose. At least. Like, but they're like, they were like, that was so unbelievable because of all these things these women did. And I was like, nah, I'd do every single one of those. Yeah. All yeah. of that would have happened. I, I feel like all those, like, women don't do that. I'm just like, are you a woman? Ha- yeah. Have you met one? I have. Did you, did you do a survey of women before writing this and publishing it? No? Recall that article, please. So, speaking of women, let's talk about his ex girlfriend. So his high school girlfriend, who dated him for four years, said, I can't believe I'm seeing my old boyfriend on TV and all the people he destroyed. He was an easygoing person. A friendly guy. Yikes. He sh- I love how she said, was. <laughs> yeah. And also, to, for me, she was like, like uh, and destroyed their, their lives, sounds like, Mm, sounds like you knew that he was capable of that. Yeah, no, she was like, oh, no, I, uh, yeah, well, he did this, and, uh, crap, I dated that dude. That is embarrassing. Yeah, that's definitely how that reads. Like, did I really date that guy? Crap. Crap. What happened? Um, okay. So, papers, papers, papers. So many papers. Okay, so we're going to get down to the knit, grit, and shit. Approximately 7.30 p.m., Bruce Jeffrey Parda, dressed in a Santa suit, knocked on the door of his former in-law's house, occupied with 25 to 30 people, with a gift-wrapped package containing a homemade flamethrower. 
and uh, at least four nine millimeter semi-automatic handguns. Goodness gracious. Moments after the door opened, he pulled out the handguns and immediately shot his eight-year-old niece. And as she ran to greet him, injuring her in the face. He then fired indiscriminately at fleeing partygoers. Um, police do suspect that some were purposefully executed. Goodness. Yes. I'm not going to go into the details. Thank you. <laughs> some listeners are going to be like, what the fuck? Um, I don't want to go into the details of how each person died because I will name the... Uh, people who did pass in honor and remembrance of them. Um, but there were people who did survive, like, incredible, like, incredible survival. Um, a young 16-year-old girl was shot and wounded in the back and survived. Oh, wow. A 20-year-old woman suffered a broken ankle jumping out of the second floor window and survived, obviously. Wow. Um, the eight-year-old niece, she survived. Um, it was severe, but non-life-threatening. There was one survivor who called the authorities during the attack after getting to the neighbor's house. Um, so, after shooting, Pardo unwrapped the package containing the flamethrower and used it to spray the like basically napalm and set the house on fire oh i was wondering what the hell he was doing that that napalm just like you can't throw napalm at people that's not well that's a thing right and it's homemade napalm so it's like it probably didn't function the way he wanted it to i mean none of this sounds like the plan of a yeah. Non-unhinged person. You mean a hinged? A hinged person. <laughs> uh, this is not the time to laugh. All, all of you listeners, please stay hinged. Do not unhinge. If you unhinge, please see a medical professional. And um, we're, we're thinking of you. Yeah. The resulting fire soared approximately 40 to 50 feet and it took 80 firefighters an hour and a half to extinguish it. Oh my goodness. So like really set that house ablaze. Yeah. Due to the intensity of the fire, identification of the victims were done with dental and medical records. Oh my gosh. Um, the police had to hold off the firefighters for a certain amount of time because there was still shooting happening. But then... For like an hour and a half later, he was still around this... They realized that there was ammunition still oh. inside. And didn't want the the firefighters that was to get shot by the yeah. ammunition catching fire. Well, they didn't know that's what was happening. But it sounded like someone was shooting. Yeah, because it was getting hot. And... Yeah. Um, so after the attack, Pardo put on street clothes, went to his Dodge Caliber rental, and drove the 30 miles to Silmar, California, and... He was later found dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, 
his brother's house was in Silmar, so that's why he went there. He still lived in Montrose. His brother was not present at the house at the time of Pardo's death. Um, that, that might be the, the worst Christmas present ever. Literally. Uh, it was initially believed that he was going to flee to Canada by plane since he had bought um, an Air Canada flight. Mm. But also it was discovered that the flight itinerary on Northwest was from Los Angeles to Moline, um, sorry if I mispronounced that, Moline, Illinois, um, where a high school friend lived, and he had told them that he was planning to visit, but he had visited them recently um, in October. They were unsure if there was, like, you know, some sort of reason to fool investigators, because um, of, like, the whole Canada situation. Because if you go to Canada, they won't extradite you if you're going to face the death penalty. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, especially, well, I know it's true at the time. I don't know if it's still true. Huh. Uh, other reports state that the Santa suit had melted during the flamethrower portion of the attack. And had adhered to his skin. He oh, did goodness. have third degree burns. Um, on his arms stemming from the blaze. Um, so not all of the Santa suit could be removed. <clears throat> so with those third degree burns. It could be Pardo decided to go against the initial plan. Police did find $17,000 in cash cling wrapped to his legs. Inside of a girdle. Sounds like he had a plan to get the hell out of there. Yeah. His rental car, which was parked one block from his brother's house, had remnants of his Santa suit. Also recovered from the scene were four 13-round capacity handguns that were empty um, and at least 200 rounds of ammunition. However, the car was being treated as a threat (laughs) because of everything that happened and so they used um like a the bomb squad got involved and they were trying to remove a portion of the santa suit with a robot and um it set something off and it started a fire in the vehicle oh my gosh yeah and everything got burnt and destroyed but that probably means that it was booby trapped so at Pardo's house in Montrose, the police had recovered five empty boxes for semi-automatic handguns, a Benelli two, M2 tactical shotgun, and a container for high-octane fuel tank gasoline. Oh my gosh. They also found what was described as a virtual bomb factory in his home. I think we know where the $70,000 went. Goodness Literally. gracious. <coughs> um... So I'm not going to speak to the deaths and what caused them, but I I will. Him. Um. Well, yeah. We'll get to it. No, no, that makes sense. Um, they all died due to either gunshots or fire, basically. Um, so the people who passed were, um, Sylvia Ortega Pardo at age 43, (sighs) and that was his ex-wife. Yeah. 
Alicia Sotomayor uh, Ortega. She was 70, and that was his former mother-in-law. Joseph S. Ortega, he was 80, and that was his former father-in-law. Charles Ortega, at 49, his former brother-in-law. Sherry Lynn Ortega, 45, his former sister-in-law. James Ortega, 51, former brother-in-law. Teresa Ortega, 52, former sister-in-law. Alicia Ortega Ortiz, 46, sister-in-law, or former sister-in-law. And then Michael Andre Ortiz, 17, former nephew. Those were the victims of this massacre. Goodness. Um, And so, as he is dead, there was no way for them as a family to get justice against him. But, um... At least they know that there will not be any repercussion, but there is something that was able to be done despite his best efforts. And let me make sure I get to the right page to get that part. Um, so the 17,000 that was strapped to his body, apparently he had a plan to fund his escape. His mother, Nancy Windsor, told the Los Angeles Times that she wanted that money and any of her son's estate to be placed in a fund fund for the children of her former daughter-in-law. And then I believe there was, like, something else done for his other son. Um, Anything that our family realized from Bruce's vehicle, or I think it's retained, but this is what the article said verbatim, so I took it. (laughs) Um, anything our family realized from Bruce's vehicle, from the money on him, whenever that's released, everything is going to my grandchildren. Hmm. So I think it's great that even though this horrible, horrible thing happened and they lost their mother and their grandparents and aunts and uncles, many children were orphaned, like nothing's going to replace that. However, Bruce's mother was willing to step in and be like, those are my grandchildren still. Mm, yeah, that's Even that's though good. he was a shit piece of person. Yeah. She's like, hey, guess what? You get all of his shit. All of it. Yeah. The money that he should have been paying all this time. And probably whatever his inheritance is. Yeah. And, um... So I think that part's lovely. Um, You know, the one piece of flour in this shit cake. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the Covina Massacre, or as one may call it, the Santa of Covina. It's a a horrible name. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a horrible name. Yeah. Uh, Goodness gracious. There was one movie that was loosely based on it. Um, It's actually like a loose remake. So there is a film in 1984 called Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, I've seen that one. And they did a, quote, remake in 2012 called Silent Night. 
and it has Malcolm McDowell in it, which is basically the only person that matters, but not. True. Because also Donald Logue. But <laughs> I love Donald Logue. Every time he shows up, I'm like, I know you. You were in Law and Order SVU. <laughs> and that's all I care about. Um, it basically was loosely based on this situation. Even if you look at the uh, poster, it has the flamethrower. Do I find that tasteful? I don't know. I'm, I haven't watched it yet. But if I do watch it, I will tweet my thoughts. Um, have, you said you've seen it, right? Uh, I saw the one that came before, Silent Night, Deadly Night. From 84? Uh, yeah, it, go, it actually had two titles, depending on uh, how you'd heard about it back in the time. Um, it was Silent Night, Deadly Night, or You Better Watch Out. And uh, for... This this is a, a, an obscure thing. For fans of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, there is a Christmas episode in which uh, Charlie remembers one of his earliest Christmas memories and realizes that not everyone celebrates Christmas by having a... How do you say this? Uh, a bunch of gentlemen callers coming to visit your mother all at the same time. Uh, <laughs> so that gag from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia was lifted from Silent Night, Deadly Night, where, like, that is the opening sequence of this kid, like, having this, like, really weird, twisted, like, psychosexual relationship with Christmas, and then you see him grown up, and you're just like, this guy's, of course, going to become, like, a Santa serial killer, because he's, like... It's it, it's a really weird movie. Like it feels like if they yeah. just had a little bit more care and attention to it, the '84 movie, it would have been like an ultimate classic. It was also at the kind of some people say that that movie is like the tail end of the slashers. Yeah, because that's when um oh gosh, moms. Uh, it was one of the the mom group uh, organized. It was like moms against um, drunk driving. They're great, um, but like. Moms Across America, or... Ah, I, I don't know. Ah, but, um... I don't know that one. Uh, it, it'll come to me. Maybe I'll help find a way to get it into the show notes or something. But or you'll just never talk about it. Or you'll tweet it. Maybe that. But, um, that one, uh, a huge corporate uh, group of women came together to say that, like, we are going to basically boycott this movie and tell everyone in our communities to boycott this movie that's coming out around Christmas and features an evil Santa Claus. And, uh, and they, they told their, their pastors, they told their, everyone in the community. And, uh, it basically got the studio to pull the movie. And, and so that made it, it used to be like, there was a slasher coming out like every weekend uh, and and then that made all the studios go, whoa, 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 there's now a huge la lack of appetite for horror movies that are this, like, gritty and exploitative. Um, well, I could see that, because the yeah. exploitative part, I mean, it was kind of getting a little ridiculous. The, the part of the movie that I thought, like, there's a, there's a hint of genius in it is that, like, as we're getting closer, like... The character in the movie loves Christmas so much when he's grown up that he literally works in a toy factory, and he like stays oh the up. PTA PTA, the Parent Teacher Association. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know that was like a not like an actual association. Yeah, um, but uh, the my favorite part of that movie is like he is getting ready 
he, uh, to, I think, like, dress up as Santa Claus for, like, some event or something like that. And it, it's, like, creepy and eerie, but also, like, I don't know how to put it, but, like, he, he puts on spirit gum on the sides of his face, and he puts, uh, this, like, this Santa Claus uh, beard on, and he looks in the mirror, and he starts to cry, because he finally feels like, this is who I've always wanted to be. I've always wanted to be Santa Claus, and I, I finally feel like I am right now. And it, it, it feels it like that... The rest of the movie can be kind of exploitation-y, but, like, he, the guy who was playing the lead just, like, went in 100% of, like, someone who, like, is fully, like, I need to become Santa Claus, and anyone who is naughty I will murder, and anyone who is nice gets candy. You know who I feel like also went in like a hundred percent to a Christmas movie? Hmm. Michael Caine in a Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes, you have told me this often, and I cannot disagree with you. You just said he went in a hundred percent. I had uh, to. Yeah. Oh yeah. I will bring up Muppets every episode. But the, the, in terms of a Christmas movie, yeah, yeah, like and, name and, a, name someone who went harder. Uh, I can't. I can't. In a Christmas movie. In a Christmas movie, that's. Mm, Alan Rickman and Die Hard. True, but like they're they're if you're gonna call that a Christmas movie, we can go on in a whole separate direction. Uh, when did you last watch Die Hard? I know, I know that's a Christmas movie, but if that's a Christmas movie, I would say that I don't understand how people don't see it as a Christmas movie. It has no, it is it is a Christmas movie. But um it, it's one of those that like whenever there's a conversation about Christmas movies, all it's not that it's not a Christmas movie. It's that the people who call it a Christmas movie and say that is my favorite Christmas movie are often not good people. Are you saying? No, no. Just that, like, for example, we watched The Holiday not long ago. Okay. And that is a lovely, amazing Christmas movie. And the types of people who say Die Hard is the best Christmas movie ever. It's the best Christmas movie. Just like a little bit of smattering of ho, ho, ho on top of an action movie with murder. We're, and we'll never watch the holiday. We'll die having never watched the holiday, which is one of the what loveliest. What's wrong mo- with them? Yeah, that that's what I mean by what I'm not saying. That Die Hard is not an American classic and is not one it, of the well, best I mean, Christmas movies. It is. I would say Reginald Bell Johnson is an American classic. I don't know that one. Reginald Van no. Johnson. Bell Johnson. He is the actor who plays the policeman. Yes. I don't know the character's name. I know who he is. <laughs> He looks at um, John McClane like, I don't know what that look is. I just need someone to look at me like that one day. Okay. Uh, uh, for one, practically every movie that Shane Black has ever written or directed is a Christmas movie. I don't know why. He puts Christmas in every single one of his movies. Like the Harry Potter movies are all Christmas movies? That's that's true. And that's Halloween true. movies. Why does every episode that we do turn into a movie? Because you keep inviting me. I'm sorry. No, I know. It's not your fault. It's also my fault. It's because we make movies. Yeah. Uh, Did you find the movie you were thinking? No. Was it 28 Days Later? Uh, Help me with... Please, please, let's edit this out. Unless, Okay. Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, Gina, it's starring Gina Davis. It's starring Gina Davis. It's written by uh, Shane Black. Um... I can't say that my Shane Black and knowledge is good. Long Kiss Goodnight. I've never seen it. 
Long Kids Goodnight, I would argue, is more Christmassy and just as action-packed and fun as Die Hard. Die Hard has been the canon of one of some of the be- most beloved action movies of all time, but I would say it's more of a Christmas movie. It's the most beloved action movie? My butt. I said one of. I said one of. I didn't say the. You're trying to tell me it's more beloved than New Jack City? Um, I'm, I'm sorry to say that, yeah. Uh, no. I don't know what crowd you're running with, but New I'm Jack City... I'm running with the wrong crowd. I need to get into the New Jack City crowd. Is so much better. I, I cannot disagree. It's Christmas. And you know what you do around Christmas? I don't know how to sign this one out. That was a pretty sad story. I, I want to... I do want to say one thing. Um, uh, I would like to say that this episode is sponsored by, uh, How to Deal with In-Laws. So, uh, let's say... <laughs> Let's say you have uh, someone in your life that used to be the love of your life and is now no longer in your life. And uh, <laughs> your in-laws uh, really pissed you off and everything. Uh, try not giving a fuck. Like, if they've, if they've left your life, if uh, maybe it's a raw deal. Maybe they were mean. Maybe they were 100% the bad guy and you're 100% the good guy, as if that happens in life. But you can, act, you can if, instead of just... Ha- Instead of building an arsenal to get revenge, you can just not and live your best life. Go do something else. Meet new people. You don't need to keep going back into the past and just go, ah, those fuckers. Or another take, because I'm not married as you are. So as the amazing in-law that I am, because my siblings are married... But you have troublesome parents-in-law. Instead of building an arsenal, you know what you can do? Shit talk with your really cool siblings-in-law. Because it is the most fun you will ever have in your life. Make friends with your siblings-in-law because they actually might be cool people. Unless you find out they're a racist and then distance yourself and pretend like you don't have any exterior family. And that's the thing. Like, you can have people in your life that because of whatever social degree, like, oh, they're, they're blood family, or oh, they're my co-worker's boss, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't mean you have to. You don't have to hang out with them. You literally don't. They you could don't. be your blood family, and you can just, like, never talk to them for the rest just, of your like, life. If there are people in your life who cause you, like, regular, recurring mental and physical harm, don't be with them. You don't need to kill them. You just need to go away. Please don't make flamethrowers at home. Please don't. I know Spaceballs the flamethrower looks like the greatest thing of all time, but that was made by a professional. The end. <laughs> Give us a follow. Instagram, Twitter, at T-A-L-K-B-A-B-T-F-A-C-T-S. Did I do that right? Uh, T-A-L-K-A-B-T-F-A-C-T-S. There's a U in there? No. Because you have only so much space on Twitter. You you know, you know, you know, I don't. Talk about them facts. Uh, Just look us up. Like on Twitter, I'm at F-U-R-E-Y, at Fury. Yeah, I got my last name because it's stupid. And that guy is at... I am at Nate Ruger on the Twitter and at Nate Ruger Makes Movies on the Instagram. Anyway, we will see you next time for another... Christmas cry. Christmas.
Christmas crime. Christmas crime. Christmas crime. Ho, ho, ho.